Hi, Timmy Whispers here from Gimme the Hot Sauce Podcast. The two-way V4 features groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam, creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Fuel cell gives you the ultimate energy return, ensuring every step feels explosive and dynamic. Fresh foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort for the entire game. The upper construction features a lightweight textile that reduces weight while remaining supportive and breathable. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way at newbalance.com. Hey, it's Timmy Whispers from Stacey King's Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, three-year, 30,000-mile complimentary maintenance, and America's best warranty ensure you can take on any adventure. I'm planning on going river rafting this weekend, and I'm ready to head out on the trails with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. America's best warranty claim based on total package of warranty programs. See dealer for limited warranty details. Complimentary maintenance included Hyundai approved oil and oil filter change, except for electric vehicles and fuel cell electric vehicles, plus tire rotation, normal factory schedule maintenance intervals for three years or 36,000 miles, whichever comes first. More frequent maintenance due to severe driving conditions or conditions is excluded. Offer valid only for new 2020 or 2024 Hyundai models purchased or leased on or after February 1st, 2020. See your Hyundai dealer for further details and limitations. Time for a brand new episode of the Game of the Hot Sauce podcast. If you're keeping track at home, this is episode number 154. We have a fellow podcaster who's going to join us a little bit later in the show, our good buddy George Hoffman. He's got a brand new book out called Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. It's got a number of Chicago sports legends featured in there, including our good friend Stacey King, who was alongside with, with Timmy Whispers. Whispers, what's going on? Whispers. Well, you know, uh, Stacey's writing a book, too. Yeah, oh we'll talk about it later, though. <laughs> okay, you know what? A little you foreshadowing know, by Whispers. Well, it's yeah. gonna be a foreshadow with a throat punch. Okay, <laughs> if he says anything that I don't like, it's right in the throat. Oh, oh. So, Whispers, you were in court today. What what happened? Oh, What's for up real? That? Yeah. Well, sometimes if you do the right thing, it doesn't work out for you. What are you, Michigan? Well, yeah, kind of. It's a, uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a really sad story. You fix a, a deck, and then uh, the county comes after you, saying you didn't pull a permit. Yeah. And I've been to court four times now and I go back in a month. So did you wear a mustache on the sideline like that kid from Michigan or what? Oh yeah. Yeah. I put the glasses on, put my head down with that <laughs> Bobby Valentine. Incognito. Yeah. I think I'm part of this because uh two months ago they the uh, prosecutor said this is getting felonious. I was like no. uh for repairing a deck. <laughs> There's a this could be a Hey felony. you gotta have your permits in order. Wow. These kids are really I mean it's good the to city see will come after you. I was worried about the next generation, but you see these young prosecutors trying to be governor in like a month. It's pretty awesome. That's <laughs> well, good. It's, it's good to see that it's just not a problem that happens to me. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> yes. It happens to you too. Sometimes it happens to red people as yeah, well. Yeah, red people. Yeah, I'm glad what to see you, that. What do you mean, you red people? The you people. I said, you know, you people. You hot dog yeah, people. Yeah, you little red skinned people. <laughs> Just Larry like the lobster. <laughs> I'm glad to see you had to go through the court. I'm yeah. not the only one that had to go. Okay. You get a sport coat on and everything. Oh, you get so. to go there next week too. That'll be for fun. For a different case. 
We'll talk about that later. Okay. Are you looking at your neighbor's window? What, I mean, what is it? <laughs> no, I'm trying to help someone with a title, and they called the state police. And, uh, and then this uh, black guy calls me. Did I tell you this? No. Oh, it's hilarious. He goes, hey, uh, the, uh, they need their title, or I'm going to come pay you a visit. And I said, oh, really? <laughs> was he going to rough you up or I what? I said, yeah, sure you are. Okay. And I'm being like a smart ass to him. And then last week with my office full here, this uh, state cop walks and he's totally jacked. He walks right into my office. He's like, I'd appreciate your smart ass comments. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold up. You was talking this guy you was talking trash you on the yeah. phone? It's yeah. a bad road rage incident. And also I'm like, oh shit, he's gonna give me a, and he was a right state, there. He was a state police officer? Yeah, and he goes, oh, he's like, I didn't appreciate your comments. I'm like, well, actually I didn't think you were real. I thought it was <laughs> See see being a smart ass gets you in trouble. Oh, yeah. He was gonna get beat up in his own office. <laughs> yeah. For real. And after he left, he goes, he was kinda, you know, salty, which I don't blame him because I was pretty Really then you cool. told all your coworkers he's lucky because I've got that. Yeah, uh, yeah this and I would have choked him out. Training. I would have choked him out. I changed. I, I trained with uh, Andre Arveloski, and I would have choked him yeah. out in seconds. He's big and he's all. lucky. He left. Yeah, he's got more muscles on him than I do, but I would have choked his big ass out. Oh yeah, it was it was, it was entertaining. It was great. Then and he, the life he, of whispers. You should write a book. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me something I need to learn. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't like try to say it was Rich that said it. That's the yeah. guy right there. That yeah. guy right there. He's one yeah. of you were talking yeah, about. That, that's Tim over there. Yeah. <laughs> I think Rich would have taken one for the team, though. Oh yeah, he, he'd do that. He's just dumb enough to do. Yeah, it. he would have taken. Oh, one for now the he's team. calling him yeah. dumb. Jeez. Wow. Well, I mean friend. that in the nicest way. What a friend. So he calls one of his best friends dumb. Shout out to Rich. <laughs> Rich, if you're listening, man, we know you are. No, jump hey, in front listen, of it wasn't me and Mark. No, me and Mark. Is your buddy whispers three under the bus? Three under the bus. Yeah. Man. Well, Stacy's seen it. What are you harassing this guy for? Oh <laughs> man, I wish I'd have been here and saw that. Yeah. Was it a black guy? Black? Oh, oh yeah, he was. He was jacked. He's like just <laughs> warm out, short sleeve shirt on. He's flexing a little bit. He's got the traps going. I'm like, hey, how you doing? How did he find you? I have no idea. He is a state police. Yeah. Then, well, then he started asking him some questions, and I threw that then back at him. Uh, you mean you don't know that because you are the state police, right? He's like, that's how this started. I'm like, oh, shit. oh my gosh! <laughs> the food delivery people can't find us, but the state police tracked you down. Oh, like nothing. <laughs> oh my god! Oh man, the yeah, life man. of whispers. He usually yeah. says nothing. Now you've got some behind the yeah. scenes yeah, and what this guy's all about. Because I'm he always was, in court. That's what just like whispers. Wow. <laughs> he was getting ready to get knocked out. The uh, Whispers fan club growing day by day. Wow. Hey, Stacy's in the middle of a rare break from the NBA schedule. Oh, Three days off in a row. I mean, the, the start of the season's been crazy. You've been going here, there, and everywhere. The Bulls have already played nine games. It's been brutal. It's been brutal, Mark. I'm out of here on pure heart and determination. America, I just want to say the hip is 100%. I'm no longer using apparatuses to walk around. <laughs> no more canes. I'm, I'm my little there pimp cane. My little pimp cane's gone now. I'm healthy. I'm walking around and chasing people around the house. He's still going to use you <laughs> as a crutch, D. Don't worry about it. No, yeah, I, I saw Mike doing push-ups in the parking lot when I came. Yeah, you know what? Hey, that's my bodyguard out there. Yeah. Okay, he's, he's a fifth-degree blue belt. You should, Tim's gonna need to get a bodyguard pretty soon. Get the yeah, state police yeah, after yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, he's he's yeah. Don't ask for me. My I mean, skills are declining. Yeah. I mean, I'm afraid of even uh, Elon Musk now fighting Zuckerberg. <laughs> That's the type of thing you walk out to your car. Tim's walking out to the car, and the guy's waiting for him in the yeah. parking lot. Let's finish out what you just said, and then and he's out there by himself. He got no help. Me and you gone. 
I heard he's a big fan of the podcast, so be careful what you say. Actually, he was. Oh, that's good. Was he? Yeah. Oh, that was hilarious. He's like, shout out. I thought he was going to mad at me about that. He actually says, well, you got a Stacey King sticker and this stuff in your office. Oh, no. <laughs> don't drag me yeah, into this. Yeah. Don't hey, 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 leave us know. out of it, all right? I don't want somebody showing up at my house. <laughs> I said, Stacey's one who sold that car. It wasn't me. No, don't, hey, don't put me in this. I don't want some big dudes going to my house because, hey, I ain't the one. And I said, if he doesn't have an answer, Shanowski does. Oh, God. <laughs> see, see. Jeez. Teamwork. Teamwork makes the dream work, America. Mm-hmm. Great to have a teammate like Whispers. Yeah. Ready to throw, throw you under, under the, the bus, bus at a moment's yeah, notice. Yeah, I know. Moment's notice. Hey, speaking of throwing under the bus, uh, what's going on with the Bulls right now, Stacey? Wait, Mark, way to throw him under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, America, okay, there's no time to panic. I know right. you want to hit the panic button. I get in these Twitter conversations with Bulls Nation all the time. People I'm, are jittery. I'm, yes, I'm, the, I'm, I'm optimistic, mm-hmm. okay? I'm always going to be looking at the bright side. No, there's not a lot of bright side right now. <sighs> They've got to find ways to win games. Like, you know, it comes down to the fourth quarter. It's been about four of their nine games where those games could have been won. Either way. And, yeah. and it could have went either way. And they, whether it's shot selection, whether it's a defensive breakdown, it's something that always kills them down the stretch. And last night they had an opportunity to, to put Phoenix away. Phoenix was – a six-minute mark, they had not scored. And the Bulls could not, you know, extend the lead out on them because there were turnovers, you know, turnovers here, turnover there, bad shot here and there. Um, You know, your big three guys played, you know, they played well, uh, but not well enough to win. And Zach didn't score in the fourth quarter or overtime. Yeah, and it's 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 really frustrating because, like, you see that they're right there, the cusp of turning the corner. And – all of a sudden, it's like a bungee cord pulls them right back to where they are, where they're not going to win. And they've got to find ways to to put all the, you know, the one-on-one, the isolations, you know, because it seems like they wait till the fourth quarter to do that. They play the right way for three and a half quarters. And then in the fourth quarter, it's like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off kilter a little bit, off script. I'm going to get mine. Yep. And that's why they're losing. Bulls did a pretty good job against Kevin Durant. Uh, Alex Caruso, Caruso giving up about six or seven inches, did a great job of getting up into his body, making things uncomfortable. But they lost sight of Grayson Allen way too oh, many times. Oh. At eight of 13 from three-point oh. range. And everybody you know, hates Grayson Allen for that cheap shot on Caruso a couple of years ago. And then he's the guy that really was the difference in the game. Listen, and I said this last night on the broadcast, you can hate that kid all you want to. Okay, because he is a dirty, dirty player, does some cheap shots, and he really doesn't have to do that because he's really a good basketball player. He was a McDonald's All-American. You know, he's a starter at Duke. The kid can play basketball. He had big shots in Milwaukee. He was uh, I, I consider him now Bulls killer because he plays well against the Bulls. All the all the antics to the side, the guy makes shots. And whether you love him, or hate him, he's one of those guys, Mark, you hate him when he's on the other team, but if he's on your team, you love him. Okay. I don't know how you leave that guy wide open all the time. There was there was some shots marked. There wasn't there was no one near him for you know ten feet, and he was just squaring up shooting the basketball. I thought they spent too much time worrying about Kevin Durant and trying to make sure he doesn't get off. That guys lost attention to where Grayson Allen was, and they and Phoenix does a great job of passing. They had over thirty assists yesterday, and Kevin Durant, which separates him from a lot of superstar players, is he actually does make players around him better. You know, he doesn't get a lot of credit for that because everybody looks at his scoring and they're like, wow, this guy can really score the basketball. But he's a very unselfish superstar player. Like, he gets everybody involved. He reads double teams. I get doubled. Here, you shoot it. 
You know, he's not one of these guys that's going to force a shot or try to force his scoring on the team. He's going to make the right basketball play. And I tell you what, he's fun to watch. Caruso was the big bright spot, the shining light from that game. He was all over the court. You were talking about it looked like there were five Carusos out there. He was diving on the floor, getting rebounds, uh, hitting three-point shots. And Kevin Durant had a lot of praise for him after the game. He says, hey, forget about talking about this guy as a role player. He said, this guy would be valuable in any team's starting lineup, and the Bulls are lucky to have him. Well, and, and the crazy thing about it, Mark, is he plays out of position. He's a guard, and he's guarding power forwards and centers. And he's like, he's always... You don't care? Listen, he's guarding He's guarding <laughs> the, the best player. He's guarding the best player every single night. And that's... And the one thing you worry about him is, is that, you know, he's guarding these guys that weigh 30 pounds more than him, 40 pounds more than him. Um, you know, he's been, you know, he's banged up, you know, he's on the bench, he's icing, heating his elbow. He's got a, he's got a banged up elbow right now where he fell on his elbow. Uh, the guy takes charges. I just wish everyone played with the same tenacity that he plays with on the Bulls team. When right. they come out like a Patrick Williams, how can you sit on the sideline and watch this guy do all the stuff that he does and not want to play that way? Not want to come out and have a motor. Not want to come out and, and lay it on the line. This guy comes out every single night, no matter what the situation. If you're up 20, down 20, he's going to play hard every single night. If you had you had three more of those Caruso's, three more players like that, I'm telling you. I mean, and I see Javon Carter being one of those guys. I see Torrey Craig being one of those guys with those high motors. They come out and they do whatever is necessary for the team to win. If you had, you know, Patrick Williams played that way, uh, you know, you got Kobe, you know, played that way. Uh, I tell you what, man, this team might be in a better situation. Bulls were really impressive in winning on Monday against the Utah Jazz, shot over 50% from three-point range, had a number of guys in double figures. And I know that's the kind of offense that Billy Donovan envisions, a kind of a share-the-wealth offense. Javon Carter's been hitting the three at a really good clip lately, and I think that bench unit is really emerging as something that can be a force as the season comes on. Yeah, and if they can get Patrick Williams to play consistent, you know, um, coming off the bench. I, I thought Javon Carter over the last five or six games has really, you know, solidified himself coming off the bench. I think Io with the minutes that he's getting has played extremely well. Um, you know, and the big Crusoe, cat. And, and then Drummond. You yeah. know, I've said this all along. Drummond has to play. You, you've got – there's no way in the world that Andre Drummond shouldn't play more than 20 – you know, play less than 25 minutes a night. I mean, because he's your best offensive rebounder. He's he's great in the pick-and-roll defense. He gets he gets a steal a night off the pick-and-roll defense. He can guard guards. Um, you know, he just does so many of the intangible things that you, you want out of him. You see his numbers. He's only averaging six points a game. But, you know, that's not even how many minutes he plays. I think he's like 10, 10, 11 minutes, and he's putting up those kind of numbers. So they got to get him back, get him a little bit more minutes. And then, you know, they've got to find a way to get Patrick Williams to play a certain way. Like, you know, now, you, okay, you're not starting anymore. Now you're playing off the bench. How can we get you to be the player that we need you to play with this second group? You know, how can we get you to play with these guys? You see his numbers. I mean, this kid is is better than 5.6 points a game. Yeah. And 3.4 rebounds. I mean, he's better than that. His numbers are completely down from where they used to be the last few years. Look at his field goal percentage, 32%. He's shooting 23% from the three-point line, but he continues to shoot threes. That's the one thing I would I would eliminate if I was Billy Donovan. 
I would cut that and say, hey, listen, we're not, we want you to put the ball on the floor. We're going to put you in situations in the pick and roll where you can dive to the basket. We're going to put you in situations where we want you to run the floor, get out in transition, and finish on the break. Uh, I think he spends way too much time at the three-point line, and he continues to shoot them, and he's just floating, and it's not really doing him any good. And you see the numbers. I mean, the last few games, he's been pretty much non-existent. Bulls have some home games coming up, but they've got to be able to close, as you mentioned. Uh, they, they're two and three in clutch games, which are defined by a five-point spread in the last five minutes of the game. They got a back-to-back. They play in Milwaukee on Monday, but then you got the Magic, and you got back-to-back games at the United Center. Then the Miami Heat come in, so you'd hope that you could win some of these games at home. But it's it's really just about execution. There's no no one's ever questioning the Bulls' individual talent. It's just a question of can they close games and, and win win those clutch games late. Well, and, and what's surprising about that is you got veteran guys. You know, you got your three best players are veterans. There's guys that got multiple years, you know, 10 plus years in this league, which is really surprising when it comes down to clutch time. You know, you got three guys that know they've been there, done that. They've been in this league a long time. You would think that closing a game would be easy for them. You know, but for some reason, it's not. They're struggling. And I think it's because you don't know which which guy you want to close the game out. It You know, the last year was DeMar. It was always DeMar closing the game out. And and now it's like, you know, it's Zach wants to close the game. They want to put Zach in that position. You know, Zach right now is his ball handling kind of hurts you down the stretch. I mean, he loses the ball a little bit too much you know, turns the ball. He has to value possession of the basketball, especially in the last five minutes of the game. If you're going to be that guy, Mark, that means you got to take care of the basketball. You can't turn the ball over. And I think, you know, lately he's been turned the ball over. You know, I think Billy Donovan wants him to be the guy that closes, but you know, it's not happening. And then they don't really play through Vooch a lot, you know, down the stretch. Uh, Vooch has missed a lot of easy baskets. Yeah, I know that. I mean, yeah. he's missed – I mean, there's probably if – you, if you probably look at how many how many shots he misses around the rim, it could be anywhere between five and seven shots that he's missing, like, around the baskets. He's got to convert those. If he converts those shots, it makes it easier for them down the stretch. Bulls aren't the only team. They're off to a slow start. Uh, Phoenix came in with a losing record to the United Center and had to struggle to get an overtime win. The Lakers have lost five straight on the road. Uh, Anthony Davis already missed a game with hip spasms last night. The Clippers looked downright awful in the first two games with James Harden. Ooh. Their offensive efficiency went right into the tank. But we saw a team that looks like they may uh, be your first back-to-back champion in a while in Denver last Saturday, Stacey. Hey. With Jokic and that group. Now, Jamal Murray's going to miss several weeks with that hamstring strain, but still... Still, that is a team that has such good chemistry, and Mike Malone has a good sense of uh, you know how to substitute, how to ride the pulse of that team, much like Phil Jackson had with your group. I tell you what, the one thing that I, I was really waiting to see with this team is would they have the hangover, you know, winning that first championship, you know, the partying and all that stuff that goes on, you know, when you win the championship, you know, how serious would they be coming back at least early in the season? Um, I've been very surprised at the way they have came businesslike. They, it, it's the same thing what happened to us when we won our first championship. Once you get there, because you got to go through all these trials and tribulations to get there. Denver had to do that. Denver, Denver had to go through some, some, you know, some tough times. They've always been a team that won fifty games, and they've always been a team you talked about, Mark, that has a, a, an opportunity to play deep in the playoffs, but they've always had key injuries. You know, you lose you lose Murray out with the Achilles, and, you know, you got Michael Porter Jr.'s out with a back injury. You know, so they're never healthy. Last year they put it all together. They got everybody healthy, and you saw what happened. So now they've tasted the, the honey. 
They don't want to taste anything yeah. else now. And you yeah. can tell by the way they play. We did that game the other night. They came out business-like, you know, and you saw Jokic. Jokic is a superstar that doesn't need to score to be great. He can make everybody else better. Makes it, But when he got mad, when Vooch scored on him a couple of times, you could tell he clicked on, like, okay, wait a minute. Oh, this dude's trying to score on me. Yeah. Then he went right down there and asked for the ball like three straight times, and he hit three straight baskets, and you're like, wow, this dude is the real deal. Mentioned the Lakers off to a slow start. LeBron James is averaging something like 37 minutes a game. They have to play him because when he's not out there, the team really struggles. They thought they had answered their questions about depth with some of their offseason moves, but this team still revolves around LeBron, and unless Anthony Davis can be that co-star, it's not a very good team. Yeah, everybody's chasing Denver right now. I don't I don't really see any team close to them. It's Denver and then there's like a huge drop off mm-hmm. with everybody else. I mean, you know, people thought it was Golden State, you know, Golden State to me is too small. Uh I think the Lakers uh they don't know really what they want to do. You know, you know, everybody thinks because LeBron's on your team that you're going to have a chance to win. Yeah, your your chances to win is better than some teams are, but it, LeBron is hard to play with because if you don't know how to play without the basketball, and a lot of these guys don't know how to play without the basketball in their hands, they need the ball in their hands to create. And when he has the ball in his hands when he's on the floor, it makes it difficult for guys to to get into a flow or get into a rhythm. Um, Anthony Davis is still the key to to their team. I still don't think they're big enough to mess with with Denver because as long as Jokic is healthy, no one's no one's going to be able to deal with him, and Anthony Davis included. So uh, they're going to have to figure out some way of getting the right combinations of guys on the floor with LeBron that can play with LeBron. Right now they're having a hard time finding that group. What do you think about uh, Victor Wembanyama? He struggled a little bit this week, didn't have a great game at the Garden on Wednesday, but he had the 38-point game last week, which kind of put him on the landmark like this kid. We knew he was going to be special, but to, to have that kind of game that early in his career said, look out, rest of the league. Well, I mean, I, I got a chance to see him against Phoenix, and he had a chance to go head-to-head against Durant. And, you know, not too many people can go head-to-head with Durant, and Durant makes everybody look small. I mean, even last night, I mean, he looked like a giant when Caruso was guarding, okay? And he can shoot over anybody on the floor. Uh, You know, he struggled with the length of of Victor. Victor was, like, right with him, and and he was, you know, trying to trade basket for basket. This kid is going to be a generational talent. I mean, you can just tell. He has a great feel for the game. He's only going to get stronger. He's only His IQ is already there. He's got high basketball IQ, and he's a phenomenal talent. He's a phenomenal athlete. Being able to switch out and pick and roll and stay in front of guards who are quick, but to be able to move his feet, be able to it, – it, it's not even – you know, he's so long, Mark, he doesn't have to get up and switch into denial. He can just stay back, and his reach – can cover if a guard says, okay, you're going to be off me five feet, I'm going to shoot this. No, no, you won't because he can close out and block that shot right. and go off on the fast break and dunk the ball. So you're, you're looking at a generational talent. This this kid in a few years is going to be defensive player of the year. He's going to probably be an MVP candidate, and he's going to probably take the Spurs team to a finals. That's that's how good he is, America. So I mentioned the Bulls have a lot of home games coming up. You might see our good buddy Jeff Vukovic in the crowd. He's a big supporter of the Bulls and all of Chicago's sports teams. Remember, when it comes to insurance for your auto, home, and business, make sure you contact the king of insurance. He's our good friend, nationwide agent Jeff Vukovic. You can reach him at jeffvuk.com. That's jeffvuk.com. And stacy has got the best jingle in the business. Nationwide is on your side. There you go. Jeff Vukovic, contact him for all your insurance needs. Why don't we bring in our good buddy Christopher Walken to tell the folks how they can get some hot sauce. It's flying off the shelves right now. 
That's right. We just did a deal that's going to be handed out at the wedding, and the Toastmaster himself recorded <laughs> a toast earlier to celebrate Lahayim with this wonderful wedding. <laughs> that is Way to go, up. Chris. That was good. That's right. I am half Jewish. No one knows that, <laughs> but it's all right. So anyhow, one of the things that people don't know is that we do toast and we do hand out hot sauce at weddings. But also, we have these special codes to get free sauce. But in every box, <laughs> you do get some stickers. And stickers? Can, that's right. Not for the Foo Fighters, <laughs> but just stickers. Put them on your folders. Put them on your computer. Put them on your bumper. I don't care. And then we put in the Stacy King man card. There's, oh, yeah. People don't know. That's a lot of fun. Ah, there's rules out there you got to live yeah, by. Yeah, yeah. Such as hydrate with beer. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's keep, it's, your hand, keep your hands to yourself. Don't be rubbing it on another man. Yeah. yeah. That's maybe one of your rules. Just you like, like with you, you, like, you like somebody rubbing on you, uh, Christopher? No. My point is, it's not in your card. People have questioned your sexuality. Yeah. They don't understand a lot of things about me. And that's the way I like it. <laughs> But nonetheless, that guy D is looking at like he's don't crazy. Don't freaking encourage him, Mark. Oh my God! <laughs> Just go and buy some sauce <laughs> and give me the hot sauce.com and use the code Walk and Q, Walk and Fire, and get a free bottle. I mean, it's so easy. And she'll like it too. There you go. Hey, coming up next on Give Me the Hot Sauce, our good buddy George Offman. He's going to tell us a story we don't know. His new book hits the shelves next week. Make sure you pick up a copy. He's our special guest next. And give me the hot sauce. It is now our pleasure to welcome this week's special guest, our good friend George Hoffman. He does an outstanding podcast. Tell, tell, tell me a story I don't know. Also has a great book that's out of the same name, and he's kind enough to join us from his palatial home. He's got his five o'clock somewhere shirt going. George, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us, making time for us. Uh, I know the book comes out next week. A labor of love, I'm sure. Visiting with so many of the big names in the world of Chicago sports. That's a great apt description. It is a labor of love. The podcast was a labor of love, and writing the book was a labor of love. And first and foremost, I thank you, Mark, for being such a loyal uh, guy and retweeting and doing stuff on Facebook. I appreciate it. And the guests that we had were great. And we had five Bulls guests, including the guy in the middle. There you oh, go. You were so good. We did two parts. Oh, <laughs> I'm just a man sitting next to the man, George. You know, <laughs> anything for a good friend. Hey, George, you know, it's funny. When I came to Chicago, I'll tell you a story that you don't know. Well, you kind of know, but uh, maybe not the full details of it. I came to Chicago in uh, April of 1990, and I started at Channel 7, and they said, the first thing we're going to do, Blackhawks are about to go into the playoffs. We're going to put you on the hockey beat. And I'm like, oh, great. They don't have an <laughs> NHL team in Milwaukee. I really wasn't covering the league that closely at all. And so I'm like, well, you know what? I, I think the best thing I can do is just like kind of stay in the background and, and, and listen to some of the veterans and, and kind of pick my ways. And as, as I was starting to follow the team, you know, Mike Keenan could be really ornery at times with the media. And there was one particular radio reporter who constantly got under his skin. And I'm thinking, who is this guy? And then, I, then finally I realized it was George Hoffman. Mike, in an exasperated <laughs> fashion, would go, oh, George. You know, he, he got so tired of your questions. But, you know, I, one of the things that I learned was that you had the – style of being direct and trying to get what you knew that your listener let tend dental make your dream smile a reality 
We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, TEND is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Just wanted to know. There's so many reporters that sugarcoat questions, and you went right at Mike Keenan. I think that that even though he he probably was irritated at times, he really had a sense of respect for the fact that that you were a straight shooter. It's interesting because I always had philosophy, get the desired response. That's the way I looked at it. Get the desired response. For me, that was the questions I wanted to have him answer that I thought, in fact, the public wanted to hear. I mean, I did that with all of those interviews. And as you could tell, I'm a little guy, so I would sneak in here. And <laughs> when Michael Jordan was here, gosh, you know, he did. There were three different interviews he would do. And it was always me and Jim Rose. Jim was standing next to him. But I would find my way to slip right in. And there I was in the front. Because, listen, I wanted to ask those first questions. I always did. It was it was fun. As for Keenan, he was a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was. He was very tough to deal with. And, yeah. you know, it was kind of interesting. People thought that that was going to be the, the team that was going to break the uh, jinx for the Hawks. And they, they advanced for a while, but I remember the year they won the President's Cup trophy. I think they lost to the North Stars in the first round. And and, Keen, and I think that was the beginning of the end for uh, Mike Keenan. Well, they did make the Stanley Cup finals yeah. in 1992. That's when I began at the score. And just a couple of months later, I'm in Pittsburgh covering yeah. the Blackhawks. And then you're back home and you got the Bulls in the championship and the Blackhawks in the championship. Right. And the stadium every night, it was fabulous. It was That was a wonderful feeling to do that. And there's Stacy King. Yeah. You know, we're talking to Stacy King. I try to remember this, Stacy. And and my memory is a little difficult at this time. I don't think you were the funny guy then that you are now. Were you? In the locker room. Not not on not in the public eye, but in the locker room. Not in the media. Yeah, yeah. in the you know, because I was I was always in the locker room just cracking up jokes, you know, doing uh imitations of people's voices and uh Bill kept Cartwright. the team, yeah, kept the team loose and uh you know, we had a lot of fun with it. And then as I got older. You know, it started to be started to seep out. I couldn't control it anymore. Well, you, <laughs> it overran. It overwhelmed me. <laughs> you mentioned that in the book, which is interesting because I also uh, mentioned how Jerry Krause tried to stifle your personality. Yeah, which is you can't do that. You have to be who you are, and you were. And thankfully, some guy named Derek Rose came. And yeah. when he did, I think a lot of catchphrases came with him. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I was very blessed. You know, I mean, Chicago's had, we were talking about this today, Chicago's had some really iconic uh, broadcasters, analysts work there. You know, Johnny Red Kerr got a chance to work with Michael Jordan. And that had to be, I know what it was like working with Derrick Rose. I know what he was, and I played on the team. And I know how exciting that must have been for him to be able to see a championship team, to see Michael Jordan ascend to be the greatest basketball player on the planet. And, uh, you know, who knew? I never knew I would be in this broadcasting, you know, field. You know, I never thought I'd be – I thought I'd be coaching. And um, just just by chance, Jerry says, hey, you know, hey, do you want to you wanna do radio? And I, I didn't want to do radio at the time because radio is very hard to do because, you know, the, the listeners have to – you have to paint a picture to the listeners. They have to – you have to pretty much say every detail that's going on. <clears throat> but in TV, it's easier because people see everything that goes on. You don't have to explain everything. But um, I came back a couple of years later, and then, you know, I'm doing TV. So uh, 
it's been it's been a, a really cool journey, you know, seeing where I've come from and where I was, you know, where I started and where I'm at now. So uh, I think people now get a chance to. I think more people know me as the broadcaster now than they do right, as right. a college player or a player. Absolutely, and you're perfectly paired with another guy in the book, Adam Amin, who is very interesting because during the course of the podcast that I did there were some people that I never met. And Adam was one of them because when I was let go at WBBM in July of 2020, I had never met him. I heard him on the on TV. It was great. So I said, Adam, I'd love for you to do the podcast, but can we get together for dinner so I can meet you? And we did. And that was great because it kind of paved the way for a terrific interview. And in the book, we talk about something that we share in common. First, we're a little guys. Yeah. <laughs> Second, we're the babies of our family, and we're the only ones born in the United States. So there's kind of a symbiotic relationship there. But you guys are terrific. You're great on the year. And for me, I've always felt that, and some people disagree, you're watching the game to watch the game, right? You're listening to the game to listen to the game. But there are people who enhance the broadcast. You do that. Jason Benetti did that for the White Sox. Certain guys, Harry Carey, for example, you sometimes will watch the game because you want to hear certain people. You're one of them. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. It's 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 a great town to work, and and you know Chicago fans are the best. Uh, you know, and they they love their they love their broadcasters. You know, when we're talking about Benetti leaving today. I mean, I just found out you know this morning, and uh, I tell you what, it hit me like right in the stomach because you know I never saw that coming. And he's great at what he does. He comes over, fills in for Adam when he's doing when Adam's doing football. And I really enjoy working with Jason Benetti. He's one of the best in the business. Uh, I'm quick witted. When I work with him, it's like Wimbledon. You know, it's like two of the best <laughs> tennis players in the world, and they're going to try. They're trying to win the, the you know the big trophy, and we're volleying back and forth. And I, I'm not gonna lie, not, not too many people can go with me one on one. He's one of the people that can go with me. He, I, when I'm when I'm done doing a broadcast with Jason Betty, I'm like, I'm tired. Oh, I'm exhausted. I'm like, oh, what a match. <laughs> but everybody else is it's easy. But he is he is very good at what he does. Well, you do games with Mark too. Yes, I, yeah, you know I noticed what? that. He always, you know what? Kind of, <laughs> listen, listen, Mark. Listen, <laughs> listen, let me tell you about Mark, George. Mark, Mark, Mark is Mark is, has come a long way. He's an iconic figure in Chicago as far as sports is concerned. People don't know that Mark never did any of these games. He's never done an NBA game. And he's started doing these NBA games, like, you know, what, last year? I did a few a couple of years ago, but last year was the first time I did it regularly. Yeah. yeah. So for to, the, to not have, like, that ultimate experience doing it, you would never know. And so, you know, him working with me, and we do this podcast together, and then him being able to come in and do a Bulls game, and people get a chance to see how good he really is and appreciate him like, hey, he's just not a guy that reads a teleprompter. This guy actually knows sports. Because he was doing, you know, Bulls pre- and post-game for years, and, and is really good at that. And then now to be able to come down and do a game and the Bulls allowing him to do that, uh, I think he's shown a whole different side that he can do a lot. He's very talented, and I think now people realize that. Wow, it's a mutual admiration society. We, we got yeah, to yeah, get some yeah, dirt. Yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. Let's, let's get back to the book. Uh, we're, we're live on YouTube, George. So hold up the book. Tell me a story I don't know. It's uh, going to be released to the public next week, I understand? Yes. So yeah, right get now, any bookstore? it's currently available on uh, Amazon uh, for pre-order, but it will be released next, I think it's next Tuesday. A great cast of interviews that you did on the podcast and are still doing. Uh, tell us... 
maybe something that surprised you, maybe somebody that kind of, you know, I know that your interviewing style is to try to get past the surface stuff and, and try to get some behind the scenes stories and maybe some emotion. Did anybody really bear their soul or say something that, that kind of surprised you that, wow, I didn't know, I didn't know anything about that. Um, bear their souls. The first couple of people I think of are Dan McNeil. Dan McNeil wears his emotions yeah. on his sleeve and he will say anything and unfortunately, sometimes when he said anything, it got him fired. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Peggy Kaczynski was a terrific interview. She was very upfront and very vulnerable because she discussed uh, the incident with Patrick Kane, where she asked him a really dumb question. And, you know, it was not so much dumb. She just didn't know. And but when that situation happens, you'd like to just hand the person the shovel and have them dig themselves out. But it turned out to be terrible because it made social media. And she really discussed that. So I appreciated that. Uh, Dave Revson, who is wonderful. Yeah, we had him on our podcast. Yeah. Um, he tells a story. I don't want to give it away, but he tells a story that I don't know, it was maybe 20 years ago. He and his wife were on Martha's Vineyard. They had their first child. He wanted to get away. So he was looking for a golf game. He found a foursome and he wound up playing with one of the most notorious figures of the 20th century. I'll leave it at that. Oh, wow. Donald Trump? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know if I'd call him the most notorious person of the 20th century. No, but it wasn't Donald Trump. Right. But it's interesting. Dave Wanstead. Dave Wanstead, you guys know, probably was telling stories out of the womb, and they were yeah. probably stories about the Dallas Cowboys. He's an incredible storyteller. Yes, he is. Oh, my gosh. And he tells a great story of the day that he was hired and the press conference that was going to take place. It's worth reading. This is all part of bringing people to life. Mm -hmm. Same thing with you, Stacey. Stuff from Oklahoma, which was wonderful, your career there. And so all of that, and then you put it in the book, and each one of these vignettes, there's 50 of them in there, are somewhere between 1,300 and 1,700 words. So I will give a little bio, discuss my relationship with them, and then we get into a couple of the stories. And I loved writing it as much as I loved doing the podcast. Yes, it was really a joy to do it. How long did it actually take you to finally complete it and get all the interviews in and 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 finally get the book to where it's ready to go? How long did it take you? Not that long, about four months. But, you know, remember, the research was already there. Yeah, yeah already done the research. Now it was a matter of picking the people through Triumph Books. And by the way, I have to give hats off to Triumph Books. They're so professional. I've dealt with like a half dozen people and they've been just awesome. And the cover back in front of this book is just terrifically done. So I had to figure out, I had to listen to these podcasts again and figure out which stories fit best and how to write around them. Probably each one took about three hours. So it wasn't all that difficult. But, you know, and now here I am doing something I never thought I would do, a book tour. There you go. Wow. Yeah. I'm doing a book tour. <laughs> wow. You think that's in my future? I didn't think so. Whispers, what do you got for George? Well, I was going to tell him about Stacy's new book called Pain, Pain in My Ass, and I'm chapter one, you're 16. But <laughs> wow. Sorry. But, uh, yeah, so I'm talking about great articles that, that you wrote uh, going back to the day with uh, – um, you know, Reinsdorf and these other people out there. And 
Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus uh, you had the one with Greg Gumbel where he said things like this podcast and sports radio are ridiculous. Uh, what's your opinion of that now? And do you think it's ridiculous? Well, no, he just, Greg Gumbel. I mean, I, I was watching Greg Gumbel when he began here in 1973. He was on Channel 5. And remember, Brent Musburger, who I just interviewed, and he's going to be on this podcast in a couple of weeks. He was on Channel 2 in 1968. Greg Gumbel, when he went to Madison Square Garden, he was on WFAN. They hired him. He hated talk radio. From then, he hated talk radio. And that made kind of news. He just simply didn't like it. He thinks it's a bunch of people, a bunch of people shouting at one another. So that wasn't his idea of what he wanted to do. As it turns out, Greg Gumbel has done a ton in this business. It's amazing how many things he replaced Brent Musburger when he was fired from the NFL today, or fired from CBS. So he took over the NFL today. Look what he's doing now. I think he's 76. He's still a huge figure in sports. So is Brent Musburger, all these guys. I was talking to somebody the other day. How about Hubie Brown, Stacey? Yeah. Did a game last night. Sharp as a tap. I'm telling you what. I mean, it's amazing listening to Hubie Brown. I I think he, him and Doug Collins, in my opinion, are two of the best analysts ever to to do the games. Uh, And listening to him, you know, you just – you just learn so much from him. He gives you a whole different perspective. And I respect guys like that. I mean, I, I I have no problem. You know, I miss Doug Collins. I miss Doug Collins doing games, you know, because with Doug and, and Hubie, you feel like they're explaining the game mm-hmm. in, in layman's terms to the average person who may not understand the game. And that's where I kind of get a lot of my stuff from is when I'm explaining things from, you know, from a, from a basketball perspective, I think about those two guys and I've learned a lot from those two guys as far how I present, you know, how my presentation is to fans. Well, it reminds me a little bit of Jim Durham, who I think is the yes. best play announcer in the history of this city because he could paint the picture. It's like you were watching the game on radio. That is a great compliment. He was yes. the best. Yeah, J- JD, I worked with JD a lot uh, doing college games, and uh, I tell you what, boy, when he was with the Bulls, you know, when he was with the Bulls, yep. and and that my one year, my first year, his his was his last year here, and so uh, when he left, I was like, wow, man, this guy is really, really good. And then I got a chance to work on the ESPN, and boy, I mean, we we both came in, we were last minute replacement for a Baylor versus Texas A and M, a Big Twelve game. He knew nothing about either one of those teams, knew nothing about it. But you would not have known that he did not know anything about those teams. He when the when the lights came on, this one you know is a true professional. He had no notes and he just started just rattling off things. I'm like, 
okay, is this guy a machine? Like, <laughs> he, he just said he knew nothing about these two teams. And all of a sudden, he's, oh, he played for so-and-so AU coach. And I'm like, like, he was sandbagging you. He no, did his hey, research. I was, he, yeah. He's awesome, though. There's he no awesome. question. Hey, George, well, a, lot yeah, of people, a, a lot of people uh, probably still associate you with the score, even though you haven't been there for a long time. You were one of the score originals when it first came on the air. That was landmark radio. There weren't many cities that were doing, you know, then it was a daytime station when it first came on. But, you know, you, you look back at, you mentioned Dan McNeil and, and Terry Bores and, and Tom Scher and, and so many of the original cast. Uh, people... Real, you know, take it as something that uh, is always going to be there. But back in the early '90s, when that first came on the air, that that was some groundbreaking stuff. What's your reflections on on the start of the score and how it's grown into this this incredible powerhouse uh, media outlet? It's 1992, January 2nd, so it's going to be 32 years from now. And I'll always remember when I was hired, which was just like five days beforehand on my birthday, and I believe another guy was hired on the same day, Mike. Greenberg, yes. who, wrote, who wrote the foreword to this book. Right. Sensational. Uh, Greenie, and I just, let me sidetrack for a second. Greenie mentions that I was the first person he worked with professionally, which is true. This was WMAQ All News 67 back in 1989. Uh, it was different. I was hired as a reporter and eventually an anchor. And I knew pretty much everyone except one guy, Mike North. And that was an experience in itself. And he be, he's the guy, by the way, and I and I he's in the book and he discusses how he convinced the then owner, Dan Lee, who owned the frequency A20 and of course owned WXRT, he was gonna turn it into a jazz station. And he convinced Dan Lee to turn it to an all sports station. Mm. He did, the rest is history. It was getting used to a lot of things. Suddenly, the journalist became the drapes in the room. That's what I was. I would come in. Um, I would get the crap kicked out of me by Dan and Terry and Pine Park and Jiggins. And you know what, Stacy and Mark? I would give it back. <laughs> That's yeah. right. You gave it you to him. To. You had to. Yeah. yeah. That was that. Those were some interesting times. There was no holds barred, especially when I went to be in a 24-hour station. Just, Not only just that. Incredible stuff. I'll mention something really quickly. Uh, people still remember when I used the term, and it really came out of nowhere, when Sammy Sosa hit a home run, I called it a towering line drive. I was going to ask you about that, yeah. I still get it on social media. In May, it'll be 30 years. <laughs> and I still get people asking, was that a towering line drive? Does that qualify? Yeah. Yes, hey, the answer is yes. I got to ask you about Greenberg, because I remember when he started out, he was a guy that was so inquisitive and just wanted to learn about the business. I remember yes. at the old Hallis Hall, they had that tiny little press room when you first walked in, and he mm -hmm. would be there, you know, as an apprentice reporter trying to get the lay of the land. And to be honest, he was kind of annoying. He'd ask a bunch of questions, and and he was so unsure of himself. He just wanted to make sure that he wasn't missing what was the big story of the day. Then he went to CLTV, which you know had no audience, and you know was was doing some anchoring there. And he was really rough. And I'm thinking, wow, I wonder what's going to happen to this kid. Now he's probably making about about ten million dollars a year. He could buy and sell all of us. Well, and that's exactly what he was when he first worked with me in 1989. He was kind of a little bit of a pain in the ass, but what he really <laughs> was, he was, was a guy who was trying to learn it. It yeah. didn't take long for us to become friends because I really appreciated the fact that he wanted to learn as much as possible. And what really helped his career was not only covering the World Cup in 1994, but earlier than that, when Michael Jordan decided to go to baseball, I remember Ron Gleason, who was the program director at, at the score, 
I was covering both the White Sox in Sarasota and the Cubs in Mesa. I said, where would you like to go? Uh, you know, I, I'm going to stick with the Cubs. Hmm, interesting decision. Greeny went to cover the White Sox, and I think that that catapulted his career a great deal. So suddenly in 1996, Mike Greenberg is going to ESPN. I know, yeah. And his career just shot from there, and he is, I'll tell you one thing, he's a wonderful human being. He's the same person he is today as he was then, yeah. which is really a compliment to him. Yeah, he. Um, I, I, my first introduction to Mike, he was running around with his little tape recorder and the little uh, handheld little microphone that's yeah. connected to it, and he'd always come up to you because no one would talk to him. None of the none of the Bulls players would talk to him. So he'd come up to me because I was I was a rookie at the time, and he's like, "Stacy, can you do me a favor? Can you can you do this uh, commercial for the Monsters of the Midday?" And he was doing it for Jiggins yeah. and North, yeah. and they yeah. wanted me to read spots. And I, you know, at that time, everything was free. Everybody was, you know, he was just doing it for free and everything. So I would do it. And and he always was very thankful for that. So then I started doing ESPN hits on his show when he when he's working at ESPN. I would come on and talk about the Bulls. He would always call me to do that. Said, and he he has not changed a bit. And that's one thing that I really like about him that he stayed true mm -hmm. to who he really was. Just like that's you, George. George, you, you haven't changed either. Really? No. He's, he's mellowed. George has mellowed over the years. I'm sorry. Listen, when you used to give the, the, the updates on the on the radio, like that's a, like I, yeah, oh, the, yeah, the yeah. voice. I, yeah. I just say, he's got a great voice. Yeah. And then when I saw him, I'm like, it's this little bitty dude. I, I, always thought, it was, <laughs> I thought it was this big guy, you know, because he had this, like, this, this really good, strong voice. I'm, I'm big on voices. And so when, I, when you meet people with good voices, sometimes you just cut off guard of what they actually look like. It's like, this little voice, this little man's got this big voice. Wow. Yeah. It's like Eddie Olchek, who's always called me the jockey. He's always <laughs> called me the jockey. Oh, yeah. he's so small, he's the jockey. <laughs> he's in this book. Foley's in this book. Chelios is in this book. Bill Wennington is in this book. He's got a great story. Remember, he grew up in Montreal, and he, of course he was playing hockey until they couldn't make a skate big enough for right. his feet. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, George, it's an amazing read. We enjoy the podcast. And uh, tell the folks again one more time how they can get a copy of the book. Well, tell me a story I don't know. It really, up until next Tuesday, you can order it, a pre-order on Amazon Books. Next week, it'll be available in all the bookstores here in Chicago and still online and at Amazon Books. And I hope you buy a copy. The price is cheap, like Mad Magazine. It's just 22 bucks. <laughs> And I hope I hope it does well enough for Triumph Books that we can get the rest of the people that I couldn't get into the book into it. That's my goal is to, to do part two. Well, George, thank you so much for joining us. Best of success with the book. And we look forward to visiting with you again. We'll try to think of some stories that you don't know. All right. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate you having me on. Hey, wait, wait, hold on, George. And that reminds me then. There's one quick test. Where was the first NCAA basketball tournament ever held? Uh, I know it was 1939. Yes. Was it held in Oregon? <laughs> yes, it was Oregon. was one of the teams. I can't remember the other one. That's oh, I don't remember where it was held, but I, I remember it was 1939. I don't know where it was held. Oh, well, where know. was it held? Is this? I didn't know where it was held. This guy doesn't even remember who the teams he had. <laughs> oh, how are you, you going to critique him? What? No, because I, I, I know he oh. knows this. That's Hold on a second. Old. What is this, Stump the Stars? Yeah, exactly. No, I know you know this. Well, I remember... Tim went to a Northwestern, so there's got to oh, be some kind of tie the key. in there. That's yeah. the key. That also oh, was that. In it? Yeah, it was the no, first NCAA. Was played tournament. there, huh? Yeah. What was oh, the name was of the facility? They had a basketball team back then. Pat and Jim. 
Okay. The first, uh, yeah. Northwest had a basketball team way back then. They weren't very good then either. Hey, George, like most of <laughs> most of Tim's anecdotes, that one kind of fell kind of flat. But yeah, 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 we're yeah, used yeah, to that here. Yeah, you know, know, at least it wasn't right? X-rated. Right? No, <laughs> you like to suck toes or no, rub <laughs> rub ears or some weird no, things? He always digs up. George wrote about it, so I. I I, you oh, know, you had to him, challenge him on it. I okay. had to put him on the spot. Sorry, George. All right, George. Sorry we <laughs> hey. brought this to a crashing halt. The rest of the interview was great, though. <laughs> the so, train went off the tracks, George. <laughs> As it always oh, does. <laughs> and remember, it's 5 o'clock somewhere, so take that parrot and get a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and cut his hair, George. The afro's getting too long, buddy. <laughs> we got plenty more to come on. Give me the hot sauce. Keep it out of here. We hope you enjoyed our visit with our good buddy, George Offen. If you have a chance, pick up his book, available at all the popular bookstores coming up next week. It'd be great for the holidays for the sports fan in your life. And, you know, I, I, I feel like i got to clarify something. I was talking about Mike Greenberg when I first met him. Mike Greenberg is an incredible talent. So, you know, what happens is somebody might tell him, hey, there was this podcast and somebody was ripping on you. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah, that would be bad, you know. If they play yeah, the clip on his show, yeah, Get Up, it's like, yeah, yeah, they were they were taking shots at you in Chicago. No, they'd be like, Mark Shanowski was. Yeah. Not Stacy, it's boy. <laughs> <laughs> With me and Whispers. So, Mike, you are a tremendous talent. We're sorry if we're telling stories out of school. From no, he's sorry, days. Mark. Mark is sorry. No, <laughs> hey, 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 don't put me in there. It wasn't me, America. Wasn't me. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit uh, about what's going on in the world of baseball. <clears throat> there was a shocking story earlier this oh, week. Man. David Ross let go by the Cubs, and they're bringing in Craig Council from the rival Milwaukee Brewers to manage oh, the team. Man. And, you know, the thought was Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer love David Ross. They brought him in as a veteran catcher was celebrated, he was carried off the field after they won the World Series and was so highly thought of by Cub fans, then you get to become a manager. 162 games a year, and it seems like the manager always takes the blame. You know, so there's hundreds of decisions oh, you make. Some work, some don't. You play every day. Well, and, and then also remember that, you know, he's a new manager. You know, so there's going to be growing pains with how he manages the team because, you know, he's used to being a guy who manages the game as a catcher. But that's totally different than when you get into that dugout and you have to call, you know, you have to really manage a team now, you know. So I I, I thought it was premature. Um, you know, you, you can't be to blame for the way that team, you know, kind of imploded at the end. I mean, there was a point where they were fighting for a playoff spot. Yeah, they had like 97% chance of making yeah, the playoffs in yeah. early September. And, and, you know, their pitching let them down. There was injuries, you know, that they – you know, they had to endure, and then they, they didn't hit the ball early, you know, early in the season where they or were late. struggling or late, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, man, I mean, the managers always, they're hired to be fired. Same thing with NBA coaches. Those guys are hired to be fired. And at the end of the day, you know, management's going to make the decision what's best for their team. If you haven't seen it, we are recording on Thursday evening. David Ross did his first interview. He's living in Tallahassee, Florida. He did an interview with the local paper, and one of his quotes he said, quote, if my boss doesn't think I'm a good manager, then he should move on. I don't fault him for that. If he doesn't think I'm the right guy, that's his job. That's his choice. I have my own thoughts and opinions that I will keep to myself. And I'm sure, I'm sure Rossi feels like if he would have given a chance with the resources the Cubs have and their ability to go out in free agency this winter and make trades, he could lead this team to a division championship next year. You know, we're talking about the fact that the team struggled late. But their two best relief pitchers, Adbert Alzali and Michael Fulmer, were out with injuries. The pitching staff was running on fumes. And when you have no great pitching options, the manager's not going to look good because every guy you put out there is gassed. No. And, and again, you know, I, I would have liked to see them give him the resources that he needs to succeed. And, you know, unless the players, like he lost the players and, he, you know, he lost the locker room, which 
I, I don't think he has. I think he's still respected in that locker room by all the players. So that wasn't an issue. You know, if it comes down to performance, it comes down to availability. Who's available? You know, are, are your main guys showing up every day, 162 games? Are they showing up every single day? No. I mean, so what can you do as a manager? You know, when you're missing guys, same thing in the NBA. You know, you're, you're, you know, you got your star players are sitting out and missing games and you're losing games because those guys are out of the lineup. I mean, what, what is a coach to do? This is, right. I got to play with what I got. Yeah. And unfortunately, what I got is not enough. And there are going to be some reinforcements coming in. I think this move signals the Cubs are going to be very aggressive this offseason. They're rumored to be one of the top teams in on Shohei Otani. That could get, you know, too expensive for their blood. But I'm sure they're going to make a very serious bid to re-sign Cody Bellinger. There's a number of top pitchers out he's there, including back. including a guy from Japan who they've scouted <laughs> heavily. Bellinger. Bellinger? Where do you think he's going to go, Yankees? No, he's not coming back, man. He, he wants 12 years, I'm, $300 yeah, million, yeah, you know? He's not coming back, dude. I mean, <laughs> that's a wishful thank you for Cubs fans. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. I hate to break that news to you. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Breaking news. He's not coming back. Okay. When he gave his little address, the, the media speech at the end, right, yeah. it was obvious. He thanked he, everybody. Yeah, thank yeah. It was obvious he wasn't coming back. <laughs> because if it was a guy coming back, Mark, and he said, hey, we're going to be at the negotiating tables. Yeah. Hope hopefully we'll, work, hopefully out. we'll yeah, work things yeah. out. No, he was, it was like, well, I'm leaving. And thank yeah. you very much for this little. I enjoyed my I enjoyed one year. My one year here. I appreciate it. I'm opting out. I'm out of here, and I uh, hope to see you guys soon. Chicago's yeah. a great city. So he wasn't coming back. And then, unless you really are going to spend the money that's going to take to get Otani, that's not going to happen. You're not going to be in the same boat as the Yankees and those guys because the Yankees, if they want Otani, they're going to go out and go get him. Right, they've got you know, the money. They got yeah. the money. They got the, and then there's rumors that Trout, they, you know, Trout may be moving from, you know, to the, uh, you know, moving from the Angels as well. Yeah, and you got Bryce Harper trying to recruit him to come play in Philly. Could you imagine him coming back to the East Coast and playing on the Phillies team that 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 should have probably went to the World Series? Yeah, and then they ran into a hot team. It's like, oh, oh, this World Series was pretty interesting this year. <laughs> it was seriously because neither one of those teams were expected to be there. No, not at all. It was a complete they shock. They both lost 100 yeah. games. Yeah, it was. Yeah, ago. it was a complete shock. So yeah. that just goes to show you that baseball is so unpredictable. Yeah, it's kind of wide open. Uh, college football. Uh, what do you, What do you like from the weekend? And we're not going to talk about Bedlam because uh, <laughs> that'd be throat punches all around. I know D well, wants listen. to play a video, but yeah, we're not going to let know, him listen. Play listen, it. You know, listen. Uh, you know, when you're the number one team in the country, Georgia. You know, like I am, you know, <laughs> my Bulldogs are number one team in the country. I don't know anybody else. Just, we're just happy to be there. You know, we're not playing our best football right now, but we're doing, Mark, we're doing what it takes to win in Georgia. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we got, look, there we are right there. See, Ohio State, I don't even know why they're number one. 
Oh, they are number one? Is that real? That's the college football rankings. And the polls, They're not the Georgia's coaches' poll. George's no, number right. one. Okay. That's just based on the fact that Ohio State's played two teams in the top 15 and Georgia has Okay, because I was getting ready to jump to Ohio State. Yeah. But I don't have to now. So Georgia's number one. Uh, let me tell you something right now. If that was this, if that was the actual four, okay, Florida State is the weakest of the four. Terrible conference. I, I, oh, my goodness. They Listen, they are not the number four best team in the country. I would I would look at right now, if you look at I, I would say Ole Miss would beat them, Alabama would beat them, Texas would beat them, Oregon, Oregon and Washington. Every one of those teams would beat Florida State. That's terrible. Yeah. They're yeah. not they're not the fourth best team. So I'll be glad when they go to twelve. And they, they go to twelve next year. Next year, yeah. yeah. That, that's gonna be a lot yeah, more fun. That's gonna be a lot more fun because you're gonna see some teams that maybe, you know, that may be really ranked lower. They have a chance to win the national championship. Right. Because Georgia, Georgia right now is not as strong as they have been the last couple of years. They are beatable this year. Okay. Ohio State, to me, I think Michigan is better than Ohio State. And they're going to prove that when they play later on. Yeah, in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah. But you got you got to wonder how much of that little, you know, the the video gate is going to hurt Michigan. You know, mm-hmm. because um, it's been. I mean, they're 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 basically digging deep to find out what else have they've done. You know, what else has Harbaugh <laughs> done? It's like, well, like Harbaugh's over there cheating. Come on, Jim. <laughs> Come on. Huh. Khaki gate. I, I just I, I don't I don't understand why you need to do that. You I mean he does such a great job of recruiting. He's got a powerhouse team. He's been he, I mean he's built a powerhouse there since he's been there. There's no yeah, need but to do that. Yeah, but it's kind of a stupid rule because all the teams are scouting their opponents. Yeah. They just were clumsy enough to get caught. But how, I mean, how many how many people are putting people in the stands with fake mustaches? Yeah, and that's, hats that's and stealing just signs. That's just flat. You know what I'm saying? Dumb. I mean that's yeah. that's that's where it's cheating. You yeah. know that's but, cheating. But, but who credentialed them? Well, that's a good point. I mean, but if you but if you're at a home game, who cares? Because you're on you're on their side, you're on that side of the field anyway. You're in a home game, so you could probably get away with it. But there's no need to cheat because his team is is really really good. And, yeah, and they got a big game coming up on Saturday. They go to Penn State. Uh, so Penn State, Penn State's up. You know, let me tell you something about Penn State, America. Penn State's a front runner. Penn State beats up on the sisters of the poor. They go in with a four and zero record and got just manhandled by Ohio State. And I know they were playing on the road, but when you come in as a number four team in the country, they didn't look like a number four team in the country. And Michigan, Michigan is going to just dog walk them this weekend. <laughs> dog walk them this weekend, and I guarantee. Make sure you put that down, D. Yeah, I think I heard that last week in regards Mark, to you know what, Mark? That's uncalled for. Okay. You know, I did say Oklahoma was going to guarantee a victory. They cheated. They cheated. How did they cheat? They cheated. Uh, there was there was a pass interference. It was not called on the on a touchdown uh on a guy that was in the end zone. And they t- he literally tackled the guy. Should have been a pass interference. We would have put us at the one yard line and would gave us a chance to run it in. I'm not making excuses, America. Okay, because I didn't go to Oklahoma. Okay, I'm just Georgia. trying to say, yeah. I'm just saying, you know, Georgia, we, we, we like to see good football. <laughs> and, you know, what really makes this whole thing sad, though, is it's the last time we'll play Oklahoma State in, in yeah. Bethlehem, unless we see them in a bowl game somewhere, which they're not good enough to get to a bowl game, uh, unless they play in the Frosted Flakes Bowl <laughs> and, you know, the Tony the Tiger Bowl. I don't know. <laughs> you know, they're not in the big bowls, okay? They're, they You know, they play in the toilet bowl. That's what they call the toilet bowl games, you know. But uh, not, sal- the, not salty at all. No, not salty at all. This no. will be the last time we play them, and it's really sad because you know they, you know, big brother, little brother. You know, we smack them in the head a lot, you know, and it's not going to be the same not being able to play against them, and you know, going to the SEC where we're going to be in there with the big dogs now, where we belong. 
Normally, we, we talk bears with our good buddy Mark Grody from The Score, but we, as I mentioned, we're recording on a Thursday evening. The Bears are just about getting ready to kick off against yes. the Carolina Panthers in the battle for the draft pick. Right now, the Arizona Cardinals have the worst record in the league at 1-7, uh, and seven, I believe. The Panthers are second, and the Bears are third. So right now, the, in the draft, the Bears would have the second and third picks. You see Caleb Williams lost again. USC lost to Oregon last week, and he was spotted crying in the stands. Uh, yeah. A lot of people came down on him saying he's soft. But, I mean, you know, you, on, you, you can show emotion. This is a it's a college game against a big rival. It's okay, I think, to show well, a little he emotion. He said he had to paint his nails and hug his puppy. That's what. Oh, well, there you, you go. See, you're the, you're the, yeah, you're the yeah, kind yeah, of guy yeah, that rips He's a bully. Yeah. He's a cyber bully, America. Okay? First of all, give me a guy who cares. Yeah. Give me a guy who cares. Give me a guy that it bothers him that it loses. I, I had no problem with that. You know what? The kid cares. It was a big game. You know, listen, when your team can put up as many points as they can and your defense gives up, come on, man, your defense has got to stop it's somebody. Terrible. Yeah. I mean, come all year long. I mean, you put up 42 points against Washington and couldn't close the deal. That 42 points on any other – Alabama is a blowout. 42 points with Georgia yeah, is a you blowout. Win that game okay? easily. You gave up 52 points yeah. to Washington, You're, and it's been going on all year long. They, they fired the defensive coordinator finally. Mm-hmm. Finally, somebody, somebody up top said, "Hey, Lincoln, let me tell you something, bro. <laughs> got to do something. You got to go. You got to go, man. You <laughs> yeah. got to either you got to go. Or we're gonna let you go. Okay. So, yeah, so they let him go. It's not the offense that's no, hurting you. The they can't but, stop anybody. But if you're if you're 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 playing for that number one pick, I still don't think I still don't know if Caleb Williams is the number one pick in my book. I, I just don't. I think you know when when I saw him, you know, against really good defense. Notre Dame had a good defense, and he struggled. He had struggled reading, reading the open receivers. Uh, even Washington, Washington had some pretty good, you know, pretty good guys out on the field. He struggled, and you got to remember, he's not. You know, people want to get rid of Justin Fields. Okay, people, all oh, Justin Fields haters. Okay, let's not forget Justin Fields, six foot three, runs a four four forty. Okay, Caleb Williams is about five ten. He's little. He's small. Under like maybe six feet tall. You be careful what you ask for. Yeah. If I if I'm the Bears, I'm getting Marvin Harrison. I'm getting Marvin Harrison. I'm if I get the number one pick, I'm trading it. I'm trading down, and I'm going to get me some. I'm going to get me some some defensive help, defensive linemen, and some offensive uh, and a left tackle. You a need left a good, tackle. Yeah. And then number two pick, I'm getting Marvin Harrison Jr. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm getting. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out and what the draft odds look like after this game is played. Bears will have 10 days until their next game. I think they play the Lions next. And Here's ho- an interesting Justin scenario. Fields is back then. Here's an interesting scenario. What if the Bears draft Marvin Harrison Jr. and then in a couple of years get Arch Manning? It'd be Manning to Harrison combination revisited. Oh, how about that? Woo! That's look, breaking news, look baby. Your crystal ball could be. <laughs> that would be a something great to get thing. excited about. In That's the something to get excited about. You know, Caleb Williams said that you know after the loss, he wanted to just uh, cuddle up with his dog and watch his shows, which leads us to our favorite segment: What did are he say we that watching? For real? Yeah, I yeah. thought Tim was messing around. No, he did say that and paint his nails. He didn't say to paint his nails. Well, he he does week. paint his nails on occasion, but he didn't. That wasn't part of the quote. Just want to cuddle oh. up with his dog, huh? Yeah. Well, maybe paints his dog. No, Stacey's going to look at the listen, all of a sudden. You can listen, you can, listen. <laughs> I, me personally, me personally, America, I'm cuddling up with something other than a dog. There you go. Okay? Yeah. 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 All right. So what are we watching this week? Stacey, you got some recommendations? Yeah, you know what? I've been, you know, the, the, my favorite, one of my favorite shows is The Boys on Prime. Yeah. And so now they have like a a prequel cool. to that to show you, you know, what how it was created, the superpower mm-hmm. stuff was created. It's called Gen V. 
there it is right there, Gen V, and it's like the it's like these it's like a, it's like a, a university full of kids who are superheroes. Yeah. they all have different superpowers, and um, it's pretty intense. My son got me to watch it. Wow, and uh, it's a great spinoff. Kind of like Professor X with the yeah, it's like yeah. the X Men yeah. college. Yeah, it's just like that. Is it nasty cool. though, like the boys? Yeah, it's nasty. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Oh, America! <laughs> I'll tell you. I don't think children should be watching this. There's right. this little. There's this. Let me give you a little illustration. There's a girl who can shrink down to make herself like a little tiny person. Oh boy! And then so this guy, another superhero guy, wanted her to come in here, and he said, "He's like, hey, you know, I need you to get me off. I want you to go down to your little self, and you know." It's, <laughs> America I can't go anymore. America. Yeah, we'll, I just, think we'll stop. Yeah, we'll stop right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the visual. Picture the rest. I'll tell you about it when we go on a break. Whispers, what do you got? I watched the uh, documentary on Sly, which was really good, and then watched uh, the Pain Hustlers, which is kind of continuation of uh, of a different drug company, but pretty much the same thing of what happened with OxyContin. Is that the mm. same story done the third time? And no, no. Well, this was a movie that uh-huh. uh, just two hours with Emily Blunt and. Uh, uh, Captain America, and it was uh, it was really well done. But the slide documentary was really well done too. Is that just a one part thing, or it's just uh, yeah, that's just a one parter. Uh, both mm-hmm. very well done. Uh, mm. You know, you like Sly and that whole battle between him and Arnold. If yeah. you watch the Arnold uh, documentary, it's really funny. Who had the bigger gun? Arnold's son is in the Gen the... V though. Oh, is he? Oh, really? yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, he's he, yeah, he's in Gen V. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, he's in he's in he's in he's in Gen V. I know you guys are both big fans of stand-up comedy, and a lot of times uh, I'll, I'll watch a, a show on Netflix or something, and one of the guys I really like is Sebastian Maniscalco, who you know, travels the country and really good stand-up act, but he decided that he would try to branch out into the world of feature films. I think he should have stayed with his stand-up <laughs> yeah. act because Robert De Niro, who's, you know, God bless him, you know, he's, he's what, in his 80s now, and he's, oh, done a lot of, he's done a lot of comedy roles lately. The movie is called About My Father. It's currently on Stars. It's probably been on other, other uh, outlets as well. But it is so painful because De Niro's good as the father, but Sebastian Maniscalco trying to act, he comes up a little bit short. And, and yeah. the, the scripted lines, which the, Maniscalco actually wrote the script for this thing. And you'd think that it would have been a little funnier. So <laughs> if you haven't watched it yet and you're looking for something funny, that is not the movie to watch. I'll tell you, listen, America, I'll tell you another movie to watch. Okay, listen, not a movie, but a, a documentary. David Beckham's. Uh, yeah, I've heard that. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Let me, let, me, let me say some America. I did not know Beckham was as good as he was when mm-hmm. I watched this documentary. Seriously, I just thought he was just a pretty face guy, just you know, model married. Bended like Beckham, Mar- yeah. Married a married a uh, you know a Spice Girl because she got most of the attention. Yeah, yeah. And then you know when I watched this documentary, he is one of the best players in the world. You walk when you leave that documentary, you go, man, he's on the same level, you know, as as Ronaldo and all these guys. Yeah. Now he came before Messi and all those guys. But man, I tell you what, I watched that documentary. It's like a three or four part documentary, and I was highly impressed. I went away going, man, I did not know he was that good. His right, his right foot, the way he can kick a ball from almost half the football field and and get a goal. Yeah. Was amazing. One of the coaches called the the right foot of God. Like he he did that throughout his whole career. I mean, very very good. And it, it shows you, you know, where he comes from, his family. Uh, he had to go through all these trials and tribulations because they just thought he was a pretty face. And uh, it just gives you all kind of yeah. It, it's a it's an awesome on it's Netflix. An awesome, on Netflix. Yeah. It is awesome documentary. I, I I stress everybody watch it. And he's a family guy. You know, it shows what they had to go through the paparazzi with him and his wife. 
and had they had to deal with. He had to sneak away from, you know, his coaches, one of his coaches from Manchester United. You know, they used to make it difficult for him to see her. They wanted they wanted him to not have any kind of social life at all. Just, just strictly football. And he used to sneak away, even if it was for five minutes, to go see uh, Victoria Beckham. You know, and, and and he would come back to the game. And he, he was so in love with her that when they were apart, it really hurt his game. Can she shrink down to size? Hey, listen. <laughs> well, hey, as listen. you mentioned, it only took him hey, five minutes. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> see, America, America. This is what I got to deal with. I, 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 tell, I say one little perverted thing about Gen V, and then they're going to use it on, on Victoria Beckham, Pot Spice, okay? So, no, he can't, she can't shrink down, but if she could, it would be awesome. She was spicy. Real spicy. So we know Mike is out there with the Doubleman Twins. Yes. Uh, tell the folks how they can uh, use the services of Windy City Limousine. Uh, okay, well, I've been waiting for this one. Windy City Limousine provides championship service. Making a reserve reservation is so easy, it's a Ooh. slam dunk. Let Windy City break the full court pressure of traffic <laughs> and get you to your destination and style it on time. Yeah. Contact Windy at 847-916-9300. That's 847-916-9300. Or visit WindyCityLimos.com. And, and Mike will take uh, women of any size. You know, yeah, yeah. Listen, take listen. You where you and go. ask for ask for Mike Amaroth. He's yeah. the best driver in the fleet, and mm -hmm. uh, he's my personal driver. Uh, when I call, get my drive. They already know, Mike. Yeah, I don't know there you go. Ask. Mike's my guy. Yeah, we're coming back from Denver, and I saw Mike on the tarmac scurrying to get Stacy Spags. What are you talking about scurrying? Well, okay, I'm trying to paint all, a word picture first here. Of all, first, of all, first of all, first of all, America, okay, as you know, I'm recovering from hip surgery. There you go. And I'm, I have you my just little, told everybody you're my, fine now. I'm fine now. I wasn't fine was when four I, days I, ago. I wasn't fine four days ago. <laughs> I, I, had my little, I had my little pimp cane on the tarmac, and so, and then, so Mike was kind enough yes. to come out there, and knowing that I couldn't carry all my bags, he got my bags and he brought them to he the He said, dollar. yes, Mr. King. I'd be happy to get the bags see, for you. See, look at that. We, how many times did Mike volunteer to give Mark a ride? Wow. Oh, That's terrible. It's over now. It's over. You're getting no more rides, Mark. None. We hey, already kicked Adam out of the car. Adam don't want to give a tip, so we kicked him out. Hey, if you're watching Bulls Pistons on Sunday, I'll get a chance to do another game with Stacey. So I'm looking forward He's back, to it. We're going to have a lot of fun. He's back, America. Oh, <laughs> we're going to have so much fun. Oh, the give me the hot sauce takeover, baby. We're taking over. People are looking for whispers. They want you to do sideline. He's never coming. I'll just, I'll just pop up in the back and say something yeah. creepy. I can that would it. work. That's, yeah, that that's about all they need from you, I think. <laughs> that's that, what they're looking for. That would do it. Just, just come up from behind with your shirt off and just be all red. Then everybody will know that's you. They say, did you paint your chest? Yeah. He goes, no, I'm just no, naturally no, just that way. Naturally red. Just be red. It'd be like Hellboy. Just like Hellboy red. Yeah. yeah. Same like the court for the for the end season tournament. That's right. It's all red. Oh, no. no, we wouldn't be able to find you. He just fall, just yeah, lay down on the floor. Right in. You just lay on the floor. The team, the, the team would run right over him. Don't even know yeah, he was there. I'll trip opposing players. Yeah, that's what you should do. Great strategy. What, what did you think about that? What did you think about the court? I think it looks a lot like me. <laughs> See no, red. I think it looks permanently. Great. I like it a lot, actually. Did you? Didn't get them fired up, but it, you know, it looks. No, it's another good. close game that got away. Lost that one by yeah, two. Well, yeah. just like the Bears tonight, the best two and seven team in the league. Let's go, Bears! It's all about draft position. Look, There's look, Larry the Lobster. Larry the Lobster. Yeah. Oh, D. Whispers. No, no pizza for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's a Cisco creation. Hey, we want to thank our guest George Offman. Run out and get his book. Tell me a story I don't know. Available at all your favorite bookstores. 
want to thank Dee for holding down the fort all by himself. Everybody else went over the hill. They were hit by cars or something like that. And we will come back next week with a brand new show. So until then, Stacy. Drive home safe in Chicago. Beep, beep. Oh, my goodness. It's only preseason, but I'm high-filled.